As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at Chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's Chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. on the scene today with Top Network Radio. We have a real treat for you just around the corner, and that is Empowered Living with Jeff Bird. Jeff is the owner of Jeffrey Bird Coaching, and he will be coming to you weekly to teach you more about Empowered Living. Now, let's join Jeff already in the studio. Hello and welcome. I'm Jeff Bird with Jeffrey Bird Coaching, and this is Empowered Living. And we have got a great show for you coming up today. This is something that we've been working on for, uh, I guess, almost a year, talking about it and batting it around, and, it, and it's finally come together. We have got Christian hip-hop artist and fantastic presenter and speaker with us, Nigel Anderson, <laughs> a.k.a. Legend. Thanks, Jeff. Nigel, thank you so much for being here today. Hey, man, I appreciate it. I had to take you around me. You introduced me better than me. <laughs> <laughs> well, good. That's the way it works. Right? If somebody said the best person to, to, to uh, applaud you or introduce you is anybody but other than yourself. Man, that's right? good. So, <laughs> I don't know. Good job. Thank you. Yeah, it's been I, a year, bro? It's, that it's, it's been a long time. Oh, that's yeah, so it's been shame. a long time. I'm yeah. sorry, man. Yeah, that, that's okay. That's, that's okay. Hey, things take time. Yeah, bro. Good things take time. You there know? we go. So, uh, so that's what we're doing. But, Thanks for having me. You know, absolutely. And I just want to, I just want to say to the audience before, before we jump in here too much that as far as, so I speak, you know, and, and I'm around other speakers, but I'll tell you, as far as speakers go, if you get a chance to hear legend, listen to him. He is one of the most down to earth and probably the most vulnerable open speaker that I've ever heard. So it's like you just, you transpire wow. and, and it's, it's very contagious. Thank you, bro. It's very contagious. It's like, wow, that was really cool. That was, uh, you know, I'm, you know, sometimes I'm like, well, I'm not sure if I'd want to say all that, you know, if, if, <laughs> if up there. but then everybody's like, you know, wow, that's really courageous. And that's, you know, that's really cool that you were just like that open. 
Yeah, thanks, man. So that's really awesome. I don't know what to say to that. I appreciate it. Well, just keep it up. Just keep it up, you know? It's cool. You know, it's it's funny. It's like, like, um, I know I live by this transparency is the greatest connection, right? Right. Um, But there's still levels you don't want to go to. So I'll be ready to speak and I'll be praying and be like, hey, man, you know, I feel like I need to say this. I really don't want to say this. Like when I when I'm up there saying it, it's not because I want to. It's right. like I, I've got this function like somebody needs to hit us today. So and you know most times I'm good. I know what I, I know what you know I can and can't say. But sometimes I go to my wife like, "Yo, I tripping? Should I say this on the mic?" <laughs> so but people always come when I when I have those moments. People always come up and they're in like tears and like, "Man, I've never heard any. I didn't know anybody knew how I felt." So and isn't that the truth? So much you know we think we're the only one. Yeah, everybody else yeah. is human with the same stuff, and they just need somebody they can trust. So now, you know, in the introduction there, you're, you're Nigel, but you go by legend. And there, yeah. there's a cool story there. I, I, and I love hearing this story. Yeah. So, so would you just share for, for our listeners and viewers uh, kind, yeah. of, kind of how, how that came about? Well, I mean, it's real simple. Like, the legend is just Nigel spelled backwards. Right. Right. And the whole idea is that God took my life and flipped it around completely. Right. That's the whole point. So everything about me that was heading one way got reversed when I met God. And I've just been living like that ever since. So it's just, um, you know, you can argue theology and books and nothing, you can argue that, but you can't argue life change. And so, um, uh, it's just like, I just got to change my life. Everything flipped around. So that's why I keep the name legend and Monica because it's just, it's a testimony in itself. So could you give us just a, just a little picture of what that life was like and yeah. then kind of what happened and then what it's like now? Yeah, sure, sure. So I wasn't, you know, bad dude out here running around doing stuff, but life was definitely about me. My mom and dad were married for 10 years, very happy in Kansas City. Around the time she was pregnant with me, my father lost his parents, both his parents, and his first son's on the way, so he turns to drinking and some other things. And before we know it, there's drug addiction, there's alcohol addiction. My mother's fighting through rehab with him. And five years and three failed rehab attempts later, she's got to decide, am I going to save my marriage or am I going to save my son? Uh, so she moves back to Virginia Beach, where I've you know, been in this area ever since. Uh, and for those next 15 years, I grew up wondering why was I not important enough for him to come to me. Uh, he went to D.C. three and a half hours away. I didn't see him again the rest of my childhood. And so there's there's that struggle of value and why am I not important and how do I find that? So as a young man, I remember the moment when it kind of broke for me was um, he did call every once in a while. My mom would normally protect me because he called drunk. She didn't want me to have to hear that. But one time he got through and he called and he's like, hey, I bought a cherry red Mustang. I'm coming to pick you up on such and such a date. Um, be waiting for me. We're going to make up for lost time. So I packed my bags and waited by the door for days. And my mother didn't, my mother would never speak bad about me. She just wasn't, she's not the type of bad mom. And this is kind of her, I think he needs to find out who his father is moment. So when I kind of realized who he was, I kind of picked up my bags, walked away, heartbroken. And that was the moment when it was kind of like, all right, well, F you too then. You know what I'm saying? Just kind of how I felt it from just on the We can all relate somewhere. Though. Yeah. <laughs> but it was kind of like, that's where I was. And it was just like, all right, well, I'm just going to, you know, do what I want. So, at that moment, I started making decisions I knew weren't correct. Um, I started, you know, uh, taking advantage of people um, and, and, and mistreating women or whatever. Just from the value I see now, I didn't see it then. It was whatever's going to make me happy. Um, let me find some influence to fill this void. And there's, well, my favorite athlete has all these women and money. My favorite rapper saying this is how I should live. And somebody, you know, so I'm, I'm starting to take these pieces of value and trying to piece together what I think a man should be because nobody really told me. And, um, and that resulted in just me behaving in ways I knew I wasn't supposed to. And it became a find happiness by any means necessary. It doesn't matter who you hurt along the way kind of situation. And, um, I mean, I guess I was a nice guy. 
I would call myself moral, yeah. but there just was no framework to decide where my morality came from so I could do whatever made me happy. Um, that's where we get without a transcendent value system. When I met Christ, it was it changed drastically. At age 20, my father wrote me a letter and said, I would like to see you and apologize for being absent. And I could still see that letter on a yellow legal pad. I can see it in my head right now. And he came down to Virginia Beach. We had dinner. We had a great time. We laughed. We joked. At the end, he said, would you forgive me? And he reached out for a hug. And I pushed him with all that anger came back. He said, don't touch me. And for nine months, he was trying to get it together, get it together, and call me and son, please forgive me, please forgive me. And I wouldn't give it to him because this was my chance to get him back. Um, but nine months into it, man, uh, I was actually, I, I'll say this, I was actually, I was doing insurance. I dropped out of college. I was selling insurance. And I was talking to some, some young guys trying to coach them or something. And uh, this lady walks up to me while I'm talking to this guy. And this is about six months into my getting my dad back to avenge me. This lady walks up to me and she says, look, I don't know what's going on. Uh, but God told me to come over here and tell you, if you don't let go of whatever that hate is in your heart, you will never make it in this kingdom. And she walks off. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, that was mad rude. Was rude. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no kidding. It was rude. Um, but a, a couple months after that, I gave up. And I called him and I said, I forgive you. I love you. Let's be. Let's figure this out. And after that, if you ever have the chance to forgive somebody, it's the most freeing feeling in the world to be able to forgive somebody. No amount of apologies will make this right. There's grace you can't pay for, right? So I did that. I told him I forgive him. He was so excited. He was like, I want to get together. And I was like, let's just talk on the phone. We'll figure it out. That conversation was our last conversation. Right after that phone call, he passed. My, that, and I wasn't, I didn't care anything about God at the time. But it was like, yo, if you are there, like what type of cycle games are you playing up there? Like, why would you bring him back just to do this? Like, and there's the, I'm angry, God, shake my fist in the heavens. Or there's the, do you care that much about reconciliation that you would keep him alive so we could get this home? Are you really in control of this? And the way I'm looking at my life, I'm not in control. I'm doing stuff. I'm bulling the China shop in some areas, just messing up, burning bridges. I decided one day, man, I just, I was crying. I was in tears. Like, what is life about? And I just hit my knees. God, I give up. Uh, I'll chase you to the end of my days if you show yourself to me. That moment. Everything about what I wanted, everything about what I desired to chase, everything about who I desired to be or who I thought I was supposed to be changed. And I just wanted to be with God. We were talking about being in the box before mm -hmm. we started the show. Yeah. We're in this box and there's nothing and nobody else in this box to yeah. satisfy. Right. You right. know, it's um, it, it just doesn't if, work. If, if the then. box worked, we would have found the answer a long time ago. So tell us about uh, a little bit about what you're doing now and uh, and especially um Wanted to speaking of value, but one of the big value issues that's going on in our day is uh, is human trafficking and uh, and uh, the Safe House project uh, uh, that, that you launched uh, uh, a little bit ago. So if you could just kind of tell us about what you've been involved in and how how it led to that and what's going on there to to help stop devaluing, but then also to to restore it to people as well. Well, yeah, man. Um, after that moment, my um my, my girlfriend at the time, now my wife Tia. Uh, she's by my side every step of the way through all of this, um, you know, ended up, uh, ended up, you know, falling in love with God, her and I got married. And then she said, Hey, I want to drag you to this, uh, Christian hip hop show because I didn't want to go. I was like, Christian hip hop? That yeah, what's that? It's an oxymoron. That sounds dumb. I don't go to this. And, uh, and she took me to the show and I saw artists who were authentic and from the culture I'm a part of making amazing music, but were reaching people. Um, uh, they were reaching people like me and were doing great. And I was like, I didn't know church in this could coexist. I just didn't have, a, I never saw it. 
I thought it was choirs and Kurt Franklin and guitars for the rest of my life. Like I was like, <laughs> I didn't see the gospel incarnate in my culture like that. And I was, and so I started making me, I said, yo, we went to IHOP that night and I made a plan. I was going to start something called Renaissance. We're going to make music and tell people about this great guy that I met. And we just started making music, man. And that took us across the country, took us to LA, uh, uh, not LA, uh, uh, London, um, took us to, um, after a couple of times, it just, it just was a blessing. Eventually, you know, I was doing different jobs, crisis pregnancy center. I was a youth pastor and I left my, I left that job uh, in 2013 because I felt like I was supposed to put all my energy and effort into this. So I focused on being an artist and a speaker full time. And so we've got the LLC, uh, Rob released my music. We've got a, a 501c3 called expect where we do what we talk about in the music and that's serve the community, do missions, bring concerts to the area, preach the gospel, visit schools, jails now, stuff like that. Um, but then, and, and the whole messaging is that um, the value that you don't see in yourself, God sees in you, and you're important to God. And we're going through all this trouble just to let you know you matter. And I, and young young woman, I don't care what you heard uh, uh, some artists say about you on the track or what somebody told you to see your face. Young man, I don't, I, I know you don't think that you can do better than this. I know you don't think you're you're valuable as a man, but you're the only you that's ever going to exist. That means God made you priceless because you're one of a kind. And that message in music, in any way we could articulate it, coming from the fatherless background, the I don't think I, I'm worth it background, the nobody came for me, so I must not be important background, and who cares about what I have to say, now I'm a speaker background. Like, just coming from that, I wanted to just share with anybody that would listen, like, no, you, you matter and you're worth it, and God thinks so. Um, so fast forward to 2016, I uh, went on a mission trip with my church, Crossroads, shout out to Crossroads, to, uh, 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 to South Africa. And we went over there and we worked with our, our partners, Curious Global, shout out to Curious Global, uh, our orphan, in an orphan care center they run over there. And they uh, uh, they take care of 130 kids every day after school whose parents have been uh, are single or double orphaned due to HIV AIDS. And every day after school, these kids come and they get loved on, they get food, clothing, homework help, they play games, they get the guy. This is a beautiful place. And uh, when we're there, I'm experiencing this for the first time, first time in Africa, first time in a place like this. And I asked Dr. Marsha and Dr. Jenny, uh, you know, what else do y'all need? Like, what's the next dream you have? And she says, oh, well, we really need a safe house. And I was like, what's the safe house? <laughs> right. <You know? laughs> and, uh, and she, and, and to backtrack, man, it was like, there were two little girls every day we pulled up at the orphan care center um, that, that just, for some reason on that trip, they just latched on to me. It's two girls. I still remember the names, still got their faces. And they were, they were a couple years older than where my daughter was at the time. And I just, every time I got out, Car, I was like, man, my, my little girl is basically you in about three years. So I just, you know, I just love them, right? And then she, before we leave, she says, we need a safe house. And I say, why? She says, well, some of our kids are in danger, especially as they begin to develop, of being trafficked and taken advantage of and sold into sex slavery. And we need a safe place for them to live when we know that they're being target, targeted so they don't go home, get snatched up on the road especially when they go home to a bad situation where we don't know what's going on, what they're being exposed to. Uh, we need a safe house for some of our more vulnerable children. And I'm thinking about these two little girls. I'm thinking about my daughter and I'm thinking to myself, no, I can't come back here and you're gone and you're missing. They don't know what happened to you. Um, so we get off the, we're, we're just flying back and I can't get it out of my head. We really need a safe house. We really need a safe house. We really need a safe house. And I get off the plane here in Norfolk and I, an article hits my phone, you know, and stuff starts buzzing and all that. And Hampton Roads, 13th in the nation for human trafficking. And I'm just like, what is, I'm, it's never really been on my radar before. 
Yeah. Right? Like, I've heard about it. IJM, I heard amazing things, but it's just never, it's never hit me. But being there face to face and then just being reminded of the vulnerability of children who don't have somebody to speak up for them um, and all of that stuff, it just, it just was like, we got to, we got to do something. And I don't have money and I don't, I don't know, a lot, I don't know what to do. All I know how to do is make music. Right. So, uh, me and my friends, uh, Jermaine Lamore and Focus, shout out to my brothers. Uh, we made an album called The Safe House. And with the support of Crossroads Church and a bunch of people, we said we're just going to make a lot of noise with the album and hopefully hmm. somebody with a check will yeah. secure some money and they'll get the safe house. Right. That didn't happen. What? <laughs> That's what we all want. Right, right, right. One person cut one fat check. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But what happened was a lot of people started to send a lot of small checks and money started to pile up. And uh, my sister, Christy, shout out to Christy. I was talking to her on the way over here. She said uh, she she jumped on board early on and was like, let me PR this album because she had this passion to fight human trafficking since the mission trip she took when she was 16. And uh, and so she's running with it and we're pushing the album out and people are paying attention and on all that. And then she says, hey, what if we do a 5K and a half marathon? Hmm. I was like, do I got to run? No. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> can I use a scooter? <laughs> can, I, can, I, can, I, can I just wave at people? And, uh, and so we did it and it smashed. And we got a lot of money from it. And God was so in it because the exact numbers we prayed for, we got to the dime. Like, man, we should ask for more. And by the, the end of that year, man, we sent Kira's $30,000. And I never raised that much for one effort in my life. And I was like, what's going on? And then, and then Christy came to me and said, hey, um, what do we do to always fund this safe house? But then what do we do to duplicate this in the States? Because there's 300,000 American kids getting trafficked every year here. What do we do for them too? And so we formed safehouseproject.org uh, as a separate LLC, a separate uh, 501c3. Christy's on that as the CEO. My sister Brittany Dunn is on it as uh, the CEO. Shout out to Brittany. And they are doing an amazing job. They've, uh, uh, I'm on the board as founder and, and together we've created a system that not only is going to always fund the Safe House of South Africa, I just got a great report about that on the way over here, oh, nice. but it's going to continue <clears throat> to create new beds, new safe houses on the national landscape of America to eradicate the problem in America by 2030. And um, it's really cool to see that happening. And it all started from a hip hop album. Crazy. That is amazing. Wow. So many, so many things going through my mind right now. One, one of them is that it's unthinkable almost that we can live in a country with the technology we've got, the resources we've got, the wealth that we've got, everybody knows everything about everything, but something this big could just go right under the radar yeah. and out of most people's minds. And I don't know if it's because we don't like to think about problems or difficult things, but that's, that's almost unthinkable. But you know, something, something you said about the girls there in Africa, mm -hmm. you know, and it kind of, kind of came home. And this was right in, in the time that it all started when you looked at them and realized, wow, they're just a couple years older than my daughter, right? Yeah. So I think so. I think so easy. And this kind of goes back. You know, we, we were talking about the racial issue before it started, mm -hmm. and it, it goes. It's the same problem when it comes to human trafficking. We get we get these stories that we tell ourselves that we make in our minds about the lack of value of other people, and they just become objectified. Yeah, they just become objectified, and we cease seeing them as people with dreams, with hopes, with feelings, with yeah. needs. We stop seeing them as people who, yeah. that we can relate to yeah. and that we can share part of that story, that there's there's common threads you yeah. know, that we've got with them. And we stop seeing it, that we see ourselves in a different level, at a different place, and this, just kind of disregard it. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, supremacy in any form, whether you're talking about uh, a trafficker objectifying yeah. uh, a child, whether you're talking about you know racial issues or whatever, it all comes from a, 
I have to be better than somebody else in some form. And I can only do that if I can find those people over there and say I'm better than those people. Right. right. Doesn't matter if it's ethnic, doesn't matter if your political party, your theology, uh, your sex, your gender, what you have or don't have, your socioeconomics. There's got to be a those people for me to be better than. And as much as we don't want to believe that proclivity exists in all of us, it absolutely does. Uh, if we didn't have the capacity to do that, we wouldn't see anybody doing that. Right. We all have that ability. Yeah. And we've got to work intentionally to make sure that we're not consciously slipping into that. I mean, even if you, you can you talk about this too, like you can you can have a good cause, but then you can use that good cause, work hard at that good cause, and then judge others who aren't doing that mm-hmm. good cause because right. now you're better than those right. people. Right. And like <laughs> you can take a good thing and make it a God thing. And it's just like everybody's got that proclivity. So when it comes to um, you know, this this idea of trafficking, like, brother, it's it's literally devaluing another person made in the image of God, just like you, and finding a way to say they're not worth it. I can I can I can run some lyrics from artists out right now about some things. They say literally a song called Know Your Worth right now that I just heard the other day. We're talking about a woman and he's like, yo, know your worth. You're not worth that much money. You're not worth my time. You only worth this. And I'm just like, fam, that's trafficking language. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Yeah, now, absolutely. If we think trafficking is somebody's going to snatch you up and throw you in the car. And it's, it's not that it's, it's objectifying somebody for commercial profit and, and, and making making money off, money off of it. And like that's legitimately what these people are doing. And it's been done from the beginning of time. You talk about um, how can it exist with our wealth and our knowledge and our, our moral endeavors and our, you know what I mean? Dude, the one thing that hasn't changed, wealth and kingdoms and empires and countries come and go, what has never changed is the human heart. Mm-hmm. That's the same. Jeff will be back shortly to wrap up today's message. This is Gabriela, still on the scene today with Top Network Radio. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to Empowered Living with Jeff Bird. If you've missed any part of today's message, you can hear it again online, as well as the entire archive of Empowered Living at www.topnetworkradio.com or search keyword. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Hashtag Empowered Living. We would like to acknowledge our music partners, Sound Ideas for Corporate to the Max, and Kevin MacLeod for Airport Lounge. Any scriptures read during this broadcast are from the New American Standard Version of the Holy Bible. If you would like to learn more about Jeffrey Bird Coaching, visit www dot jeffbirdcoaching.com that is j-e-f-f-b-y-r-d coaching.com do a facebook search for at coaching rocks 
or drop Jeff a line at Jeff at JeffBirdCoaching.com. Again, J-E-F-F-B-Y-R-D Coaching.com. Let Jeff's coaching rocks be the building blocks of your empowered success. Now, let's go back to Jeff for the rest of today's message. The human heart says, I don't, I don't want God to be God. I want to be God. And in order for me to be God, somebody can't be. And I've got to find a way to put them down. And there is the litany of all the problems we have. From our politics, to our socioeconomics, to our racial stuff, to trafficking. It's all there. Right. So one of the things that you mentioned was having the intentional mindset mm-hmm. about the value of other people. In other words, it doesn't it doesn't come easily. It's it's so much easier to go downhill than it is to go uphill. Yeah. You know, we have we had it right. Yeah. Right. right. You, know, you know, and uh, like I tell this to people sometimes, I say, well, if, you, if you've ever been on, on a team in your work, you know that one negative person can take that team down a whole lot faster yeah. than a positive one can push it up. Weakest link, bro. So so what could you give us some some recommendations, some personal experience of what do you do to intentionally keep that mindset, seeing the value in other people? What works for you that you can pass on? For me, it's, it's, it's to see it in other people. It's got to be where do I get my identity from um, first? Because I got to look at me like what makes me find my value? Because if my identity is in my my position or what I do, if it's in these fallible uh things that can change at any moment. If it's in my, my money or my ability to take my kids on this trip or not that trip or my ability to, uh, how good, am I the best rapper out there? Am I the best speaker? If it's in those things, um, then everything about the core of who I am is fragile yeah. and can be shaken at any moment. And in order for it not to be shaken, I've got to find a way to prop my fragile self up and I will do that at your expense, even if I don't recognize it. Uh, so is my identity in my fragility and then things that can fade away and change? Or isn't it something unchangeable? Are my convictions or something that can't be changed and, and, and are, will stand? Into, even when I'm dead and gone, they still will be standing here. And am I basing my identity in that? Um, so for me, that transcendent moral value about myself and who I am is in God. It's not in me because I'm a flawed human being. I make mistakes. I'm not perfect. Very few people would argue that about themselves. We all acknowledge, <laughs> yeah. right? We all acknowledge that's the case. But then we put moral perfection on ourselves, and we acknowledge that we're not perfect. I can't be morally perfect. So if the transcendent value of God is he that is morally perfect and he thought enough about me in my imperfect state to come and to get me and love me, how can I then look at somebody else next to me and think of them as less than me when he thinks that way about them too? Right. Right. So since my value is not based on the, the, the fragile things that can, that can fade away and pass away, like money, success, talent, skill, whatever, uh, relationship status, social economics. Since I've, I've taken my value out of that and I put it in what, what does God say about me? Who does he say I am, right? And if he calls me his and he says I'm worth it to him and he was willing to trade places with me and down across my sake, then how can I look at somebody next to me no matter what their flaws are or not and think they're better or less than me when he did the same thing for them? So it takes it off of myself and it takes it off of humanity and it puts it on uh, perfection. So that's that's kind of how I think if, if I'm able to focus my life and it's not easy. Right. Because everything about me wants to find a way to make it about me. Right. Um, but the intentionality is every day. Hey, God, this is all about you. You're the perfect one. Your value system is the only one that matters. And how dare I the person that I went to sleep mad at? How dare I think less of them, even if they did something wrong? How do I not? How do I not value that person? Even if we can't connect right now because whatever we're humans and we're not driving. But like, how do I? 
think of them and what do you think of them, even in this broken state. Um, and that changes the whole conversation, I think. And it, it doesn't allow you to to think of uh, somebody you want to objectify less than. Like, I went from somebody who's addicted to pornography and enjoyed, like, watching that and enjoyed doing my best to live it out to somebody who I can't, I, if I'm at the movies and they slide a sex scene in there, I can't, I can't look at it. I'm looking at the, at the floor, I'm walking out. And somebody's like, oh, like, dude, it's just a movie. Like, you know, ain't you strong enough? Like, you preaching, you speaking, like, you know. I'm like, bro, I'm not giving myself an inch to see anybody get objectified. I don't, I don't want it. I don't want it. Because I know what my mind will do if I give myself space. I don't want that anymore. Um, and that only comes from, not from me, that comes from God's value system, I think. Yeah, you know, that's a conversation my wife and I, uh, and you know, have, have had recently. And that's that, you know, and I, I told her before, I said, so some of, the, some of these little things, they're not that, they're not so outrageous or out there. I said, but you know what? Somebody's still doing that for the camera. They're portraying that person. Mm -hmm. They're getting paid the big bucks to do that. And yeah. we are supporting it yeah. by watching it, saying it's yeah. okay to put those images out there. And just because it doesn't cause you a big problem or you don't revisit it and play it out or something, that doesn't mean somebody else isn't. Yeah, and so we're helping them put something in that's going to be a problem for somebody else. Yeah, billions yeah. of dollars in that industry, and a lot of people in that industry are trafficking victims. Yeah, and you know what I'm saying? Like nobody cares because they only want what they want out of it. Right. Like, and and I can't. I I I enjoyed it too, and I was like, yo, like I wasn't thinking about the value system of the person on the other side of the screen. Yeah. I wrote a song about like I'm just as guilty as anybody else out here. Um, from that aspect of it. And like, no, man, that's, that's not what it's about. We have to change our value system and, and see people for who they're made to be. Yeah. And, you know, you mentioned, too, you know, as you, as you go through the day looking at other people with that same value that God places on you and places on them. But uh, that reminded me a long time ago, I heard somebody say life is usually not like being attacked by a dragon. It's more like being pecked to death by a flock of ducks. You know, it's, it's like, oh, it's not one big traumatic. Yeah. It's all these little things coming at you. Mm -hmm. So I find, you know, when we're sitting having a conversation like this, or if, I, if I'm in a quiet time or, or in a church service or in a beautiful, peaceful place, it's easy for me to align with those thoughts. And I absolutely agree with it. Mm -hmm. My spirit just resonates and shouts and cheers. And, you know, it's like, yeah, right mm -hmm. on, right on. But when I'm in the middle of being pecked to death by the flock of ducks, mm -hmm. it can be harder to see that. Yeah. Even if somebody's holding me up, yeah. making me late, you know, getting in my way, in traffic yeah. or wherever. So is there anything just real practically that you do on a daily basis? I mean, do you, do you start your day? Do you, do you, do you have yeah. affirmations that you do? Do you, you know, what, what do you do on a daily basis to try to kind of strengthen yourself so that when the ducks get loose, <laughs> you know, that you're still able to stay as closely aligned with that space and mentality and then respond accordingly um, yeah. uh, to the greatest extent possible. I had a uh, pastor friend of mine, uh, shout out Jamie Stewart. He, he, uh, he talked about this thing called the first 15. Yeah. First 15 minutes of your day, what are you doing? How are you starting your day? <laughs> so before I, and John Piper's got an amazing article too about um, why the, why you shouldn't check your phone first thing in the morning. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> True that. It's common sense, but I mean, this is right there. So, so when I roll over to bed, I wake up, do I do this? Or um, do I roll out, do I hit my knees and I talk to God first? Because the first thing I do is like I'm talking to the Father, like, hey man, thank you, because first of all, you woke me up one more day. Right, right. right. I am yeah. not breathing my air. Like this is not mine, this is no loan to me. <laughs> right. And uh, thank you for letting me do it once more. I get to enjoy my children today. I get to go do what I love to do today. Thank you. So I start with a place of gratitude and, and, and humility. Like I don't have to be alive right now. Um, so thank you for this. And, uh, and so my first thing is prayer. And then the next thing is, let me get the word of God into me very, very first thing. So I need to start my thoughts with his before I get inundated with everybody else's thoughts on my Twitter feed and on news and Instagram. 
Um, so therefore, I don't get sucked down this rabbit hole of other thinking before I've aligned myself with the thinking I want to commit my life to. Uh, and that helps me kind of stay grounded. So when somebody cuts me off the traffic, when something happens, and when I want to spaz out, I, I've noticed I'm less likely to when I stick to that than if I just start my day scrolling through my phone. Right. Because the first thing in my mind is other people's thoughts, and they can they can take over sometimes. So yeah. that's what I, that's the practical thing I think I do. Yeah. And as you know, over that. time, you see the more you discipline yourself to do that the more your default mode changes to that versus uh, the default mode being whatever it is right now, what it used to be. So the more I train myself to this is what I want to think about first, the more when those actions come to test you and the, and the ducks start mm -hmm. coming, you're like, oh man, I'm, I'm handling that a lot differently than I did a year ago. Like what happened? It was yeah. the day to day. So. It's almost like a firefighter disciplining himself to go to the gym. You know, mm -hmm. it may seem like a drudgery at the time, but mm -hmm. then, you know, you know, when the fire's breaking out, he's got to sprint up the stairs and carry somebody back down. Then he's able to do yeah. it. So it's really. No, it, it makes sense. Right. Mm -hmm. It's like, OK, yeah. So glad I did that. Yeah. You know? exactly. Yeah. yeah so that's exactly. what I do day to day. I think, yeah. man, it's just, I just try to. And, you know, even throughout the day, man, I try to make sure that I don't check the box with God in the morning and keep it moving. Right. I try to keep a conversation going. So, like. I try. I describe it as like a uh, never in the phone call that we're not hanging up. Like I just get, hey, man, you still there? Oh yeah, let me talk to you about this, right? And just right. keep the conversation <laughs> going. Like, I mean, like I was, I've said it from the stage sometimes in the church we go to. Like I ask God dumb questions. Like, man, I don't know what to wear today. What should I wear? Like, yeah, right. Because I want to have a constant. If 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 he is who he described himself to be, Abba Father, I just want to, I just want to talk to you. Like, like what am I supposed to do? Like, help me think through this situation. Oh man, I just got this bad phone call. My friends are going through this. How can I be? guide me on how to speak to them and yeah. what not to say. So there's always this constant communication. Um, and I think that keeps me grounded. Man, you know what I love about that is that's a dependence state. It's like, I'm just bringing every single thing. I'm in a dependence. I don't have to figure it out and figure out what I think God would like and then go present it to him and try to impress him. Yeah. I can just go, wait, I, I, don't, I don't know what the right thing is, but oh. I know you know what the right thing is. So, hey, we're together. And I, and I know you love me and you're, you're wanting to build me up and help me build up other people. And stuff. so what, what do you got? What, yeah. do you th what are you thinking about this? Let's, let's just keep, keep the dialogue, keep the dialogue open. We don't ever want to close the dialogue box. That's 100%. <laughs> that's how I try to live. I'm not perfect at it, but that's how I try to live. Right. Amen to that. Mm -hmm. So, so I want to, for, for our listeners and our, our viewers, um, for those who are kind of resonating with, with this, this value theme and, and putting it in and sharing it out and, and that would have a heart. Uh, to, to jump on board with what you're doing. What 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 are the needs that, that Safe House Project has right now? What what are the ways to get involved? Uh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, well, the website safehouseproject.org is got tons of info about who we are, what we're doing, where we're going, how you can get involved, and social media at Safe House Project. Um, you can find that everywhere. But I mean, I mean, the biggest thing, man, we need we need advocates. Uh, we need finances. We need warriors that can take this conversation in different places. One of the things we want to do, we, we want to impact culture, corporation and politics uh, so that we can end this thing by 2030. That's the goal. So relationships people have, like, you know, again, a phone call on the way here with all the people getting involved. I won't mention some of the folks because I just don't know what, you know, I'm letting Chris, I'll let Christine Brittany make some of the yeah, right. <laughs> But um, yeah, <laughs> I don't get trouble in the back end. Yeah. But um, it's just it's, it's people in all different sectors of industry. Um, that you wouldn't know have a heart for this, but that have powerful friends in media and in corporation and in politics and in music and in culture um, that that are just like, hey, we want to we want to lend our voice and our influence and our resources and our relationship to this. So I would say, man, um, it's more important even on the ground level than it is at that level. Like, you know, when I when I think about um, I think about the Book of Jonah and uh, 
how, you know, you got the whole fish situation. And he says he came into the city and he starts to preach, right? He didn't go to the, he didn't go to the king first. He was just in the city, right? He's just like, hey man, turn away from your wicked ways, repent, or else God's going to smash his place. And it says the people turned and then trickled upward to the king. And yeah. the king was like, all right, now I'm making this a law. Right. So I think, man, on the ground level, people, you know, every single voice matters. Somebody's saying, I will not stand for trafficking in my home and my family. Uh, with uh, I won't stand for these conversations in my friend circle. I want to educate my friends on what trafficking actually is because people think it's just kidnapping. It's not just that. Um, and being able to lend their voice. And then every dollar counts, every voice counts, every volunteer counts. We got a ton of uh, events popping up over the place, galas that we're doing. You know, we need help. We need relationships to come and leverage resources and opportunities and their voice so we can end this. So um, I would say visit the site and then find out where your place is. And then email Brittany, Christy, and we have more staff we're bringing on right now and just find out how you can put it. And you know, something I love that you said was that Jonah didn't get involved at the top because mm-hmm. so many people are, especially in this election year, so many people are sitting there hinging all their hopes on what happens at the top. Yeah. But yet getting involved, having the right mindset where you are. And, and you said trickle upward. I think we should we should start a, a hashtag trickle upward. Trickle movement, up, you know, yeah. <laughs> get involved where you are doing what you can yeah. in the ways that you can and then let it grow and influence until it moves yeah. up. It's you never know. it's never worked from the top down. Like the only yeah. thing you get from the top down is is uh, a further a further solidification of what already is. But when things change, it's always bottom up. It's always cultural movements are always bottom up. Whether it's resurgences or whether it's uh, coups or whether it's like we're changing the thought. It's always the ground level, and it trickles up to the people who make the decisions, and then they solidify. It. So I, I love that. Yeah, because, you know, and thinking about that dependence thing, we we're talking about dependence on God. Mm-hmm. But if we're looking to the people at the top to do it, we're looking, we're placing our dependence in the wrong thing. Wrong thing. Whereas if we're starting at the bottom, we're placing our dependence on God to do what only he can yeah. do through us and getting us involved here and then trusting it to go where it needs yeah, to go. How could I the people it. without the power change everything? I mean, even if you all raise your voices, if they're the ones with the authority, with the law, make like, how could it? It doesn't make any sense, but that's how it always happens. Yeah. It's always the bottom, right? right, right. The thing that shouldn't work works. Right. <laughs> so, <laughs> so it's like, I mean, I'd rather have, and that was the thing. Like we talked about the same. I was like, I was hoping one rich guy would cut a check, and that right. would be over. Right, right. And it was be a nice. bunch yeah. of people that did small things, and now we have a national movement. Like, right. who saw this coming? Yeah. yeah. Um. So it's it's just nuts how that's it's always true. Um, so I would love for anybody who feels like they don't have a big enough voice, man, God needs your voice. Like your voice yeah. is legitimate, the one he wants to use uh, and use it. So. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So um, if there's anybody watching this that that suspects, I, I know like this this summer we had a project going on through the church and, and just something didn't seem right with one of the kids. And that got investigated a little bit more and found out mm. she she was right on the verge of being trafficked that evening, was all excited about this event she was being taken yeah. to. And we were able to intervene and, and intercept that. If somebody sees something that just doesn't seem right, that just seems a little fishy, is, is there a way, is there anybody to contact? What, 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 what should somebody do? There's a national trafficking hotline that we actually have on the website, Safe House project.org and then also like you can reach out to us because we've actually found us at least in our region we find ourselves being involved in actually helping break some of those cases up like that when you're talking about um but we've also got partners nationally across in different states all over the country that we are starting to build relationships where we know who to call when we get a call from different places because our whole goal is to is our goal with safe house project is to bring uh uh unification to all there's so many amazing organizations fighting trafficking in their own way in their community in their state and we want to be a part of helping to bring all those things together and create like national dialogue and national yeah, resources yeah. 
Um, so, I mean, reach out and call us no matter what's going on. We may know somebody nearby that can help. Yeah. Um, but there is a national uh, hotline and number on our, on our website, as well as, you know, a bunch of different relationships we have. Yeah. So. Nice. And then uh, I think the last question I want to ask you is for anybody who's listening, who's thinking, wow, I, I'm not involved in that but I'm struggling with a sense of value. I'm struggling with a sense of purpose. I'm struggling with a sense of identity and with work. What would you want to say to them just, just really ju- just to them? Yeah. If I had to say anything, it would be um, yeah, what I said in the beginning. I, I do not believe that um, you get another shot at this. I don't think that God is making duplicates of you. I don't think that, um, you know, I, even if you have a twin, they're not you. Your fingerprints are different. Um, so I think that if they, if you're the only you that's ever going to exist, and if there is a God and he's the one that made you, not something random blew up and you happen to be here, but you're actually handcrafted by a designer, which I think is the case, then that means you're priceless. It means you're ultimately priceless. That means nobody can take value from you. Nobody can give value to you. You have it inherently because you were made by a designer who said, I'm only going to make one of this person because that that's special to me. And if you can understand and believe and live into that, and you can't let anybody take value from you. You can't let what anybody says give value to you. You know that you already have it because you are. And if that's the case, man, then you can start to live in more confidence uh, in the God that made you, not just in yourself. You know? And I just believe, man, Christ is that. So um, I will find value in the fact that you've been handcrafted, you've been made, you've been designed with dignity, value, and purpose intrinsically to you. And nobody can take that away. And therefore, you can live from that Outstanding. I can't wait to go back and re-listen to this. <laughs> this has been good. This has been good. Just let some of this sink in. Yeah, this, 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 is, this is good stuff. You know, when you're saying that, it reminded me of something I heard a long time ago, that God spoke the universe, according to the, to the biblical mm-hmm. uh, uh, story of creation. God spoke the universe, but he made you by hand. We have artists signing artworks yeah. going for millions of dollars, but God signed his name ah. it's absolutely in your dna your fingerprint That's so wow, good. wow wow so legend i wow this is fantastic man thank you so much for this time oh, I, man i'm so glad this got to happen I, i'm feeling energized and inspired <laughs> and uh thanks for letting me be here man. absolutely absolutely and shout out to angie too thank you so much oh, beautiful oh, wife oh, all her great, artisticness great. yeah shout yeah 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 she loved that she <laughs> yeah. loved that she's awesome she's she awesome. a awesome. special lady so well, wow. Thank you so much for joining us. This has been, uh, uh, this has been in depth. This is, if you're like me, this has been beautiful and, uh, and, and, and really some really great things to think about, to feel, to, to ponder and, uh, uh, some, some great advice and also some great ways to get, uh, to get involved helping, um, uh, helping in, in adding value to other people in this extremely, extremely critical way, um, that's affecting so many people and that's so, so seldomly spoken about, although, although legends change in that, but, uh, it's getting spoken about a lot more. And, uh, so please, please, uh, share this, please get it out to anybody that you think would have a heart to get involved and, uh, help us get the word out. And, uh, I just, I just deeply hope that this has been a blessing to you. Um, I, I know it has, if you're, if you're still with us at this point, I know it has been. So, um, so thank you so much again. Um, legend Nigel Anderson and uh, I'm Jeff Bird with Jeffrey Bird Coaching and this has been Empowered Living and until next time God bless you
With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.